Hello and welcome to the Vaccine Challenge. Our mission is to speed up the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine by bringing to light all of the supply chain and distribution challenges involved with this mega task and by connecting the various stakeholders that can benefit from working together. I'm Priyanka and today I'm in conversation with Niels van Neyman. Niels sits at the intersection of futuristic healthcare and logistics. I first heard of Niels when I listened to his TED talk back in 2018 about how the future of the hospital is in your home. So of course, when the pandemic hit and telehealth became ever so popular, I wanted to connect with Niels and understand how COVID had helped further the future he'd envisioned for healthcare. When I dig deeper, I realized that Niels' day job is EVP Global Healthcare at Siva Logistics. This got me even more interested given my own background in logistics, but also to have a well-rounded discussion about the role that logistics is going to play in making the future of hospitals at our homes a reality. For those who don't know, Siva Logistics is a global logistics and supply chain company in both freight management and contract logistics with over 7 billion US dollars in revenue. Siva is part of CMACGM, a company whose containers I'm sure you've seen on ports around the world. We have a lot to uncover around who the key players that emerge in this new world will be, how will interaction with the patient change, how will insurance be redesigned, and the role that logistics will play in order to make this a reality. Let's jump right in. Hi there, Niels. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking out the time to chat with us today. I'd love in an introduction uh, to yourself because you wear so many different hats. Well, good morning to you as well Priyanka and thanks uh, thanks for having me today and and talk about what's my passion which is indeed um, making sure that we uh, make healthcare accessible and affordable my name is Niels van Amen so and, and I'm uh, currently employed at Siva Logistics as the uh, the global lead for healthcare and I'm in in that wonderful area of healthcare for the last uh, 25 years of my career and uh, so different things, um, but basically, and, and I work with different logistics companies. I work on the advisory side. I work with a lot of medical labs as well in clinical trials. So a, a broad perspective on all the things needed to actually deliver healthcare to patients. And and probably we'll talk in in in, in a minute about the yeah the different areas within healthcare and what are the developments and. Um, in healthcare that are, I think, making a difference now. But apart from that, I'm, I'm Dutch, I'm living in the Netherlands, and I work for Siva Logistics, uh, which have their headquarters in Marseille in the south. Excellent, lovely. Thank you so much for the context, Niels. Now, I want to talk about something that I find so fascinating. In 2018, you had done a TED Talk on why the hospitals of the future will be in our homes. Can you maybe give us a couple of minutes of summary of what the premise was of that TED talk. So thanks for talking about that. And it's 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 been a talk very close to my heart uh, because it is about making sure that we make healthcare accessible and affordable for everyone in the world in, in developed and developing economies. So the, the skinny, the, the quick version of it is that that we see that the cost of care is is increasing everywhere. Uh, wherever we look. And that was even pre-COVID, right, 2018. So the cost of care is, is going up and we see numbers like in the US, right, where it's, uh, it's over 17% of GDP. 
and in Europe it's around 10 different countries. But so the question is, is that sustainable? So and, and that's a political debate, right? So whether that's sustainable. But I think we all have to play a role in making sure again that we make healthcare accessible and affordable. So, um, and there's a lot of things happening in healthcare, like indeed there's medicines that are becoming much more specific, much better, which is wonderful to see, but typically also the, the, the costs go up. Uh, we see on the medical devices that, that it's much more integrated and, and that there's really wonderful things happening, but, but also that has a cost impact. So what I've been looking for is, is in a way, can we, is there a method, is there a system, systematic change that we can make? And uh, I'm not the first one to think about this, but so one of the things that we see happening is that the, the amount of care that's being done at hospitals uh, of, can be split in a way in two big buckets. One of them is the acute care. And that's why we invented hospitals uh, many, many thousands years ago. I had to go there for any acute uh, things that happen to you. If you break your leg or something, you can go to the hospital, you'll be healthy. But we've seen this massive growth of chronic diseases as well, whether it's diabetes care or renal mm-hmm. care or even, even oncology mm-hmm. care. And we see that consuming a lot of space at hospitals as well. And again, pre-COVID. And we've seen that now with COVID, right, that, that people see that in many countries in developed and developing economies that we're constrained for space and the hospitals. So I see a move, a possible move, and partly that's already happening, right, of, of many of these chronic conditions that we can bring to patients' homes. And that, that has cost implications. Typically, overall, it's cheaper uh, to treat patients at home. But typically, and I use in my TED talk the example of my old mom, uh, that that just taking a blood test or drawing the blood can be also done cheaper and easier at patients' homes. And so there's a there's a, a conceptual thought of um, spending more time at home, so the hospitals can focus more on acute care, therefore can maybe get smaller and get more decentrally into different countries. And again, this concept works in developed as well as developing economies and so it's it's more convenient for patients and again there's some patients that love to go to hospitals and there's always these these exceptions but i think structurally we can we can make that split and which will help to uh, to keep healthcare affordable that's really cool and super interesting and i guess it also helps with equitable access to healthcare then too right i mean you mentioned that the us spends 17% of their gdp on healthcare which is costly but then the flip side of that is where developing nations don't spend nearly quite enough on healthcare which means that because they don't have an alternative option healthcare is just not available and if technology can make that happen and if it moves to people's homes then it probably also means that where cost reduces, it also increases the access of a healthcare where it may not be available. So that's, I guess, a win-win situation, which is fantastic. Now, obviously, I'm sure COVID has will provide a lot of tailwinds to make this possible, and we'll talk about that in a second. But what do you think are the key drivers to making this future possible? Why now? Why this point? So there's a number of things happening that will help actually expedite this change. So um, to do first one step back, uh, Priyanka, if that's okay for you. There's a couple of mega trends, I think, that we need to um, need to take in mind as well that are playing a role in this, this change that I see happen in healthcare and that will affect healthcare supply chains. And again, I, I break up healthcare in, in, the, in a couple of big buckets in subsectors of called One of them is the pharma or the biopharmaceutical space, which is talking about medicines. Uh, 
but again, there's an equally large uh, medical device space. Uh, that's anything from from indeed uh, catheters to uh, to pacemakers to to band aids in a way. So that's the breadth of the broad space of devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, thirdly, we we now understand the importance of uh, of of testing and and diagnostics and and the vast amount that's happening there as well. And and then last but not least is is where we focus on indeed hospitals and home care uh, solutions. So the, that's that's the breadth of what we define as healthcare. And also in there we see e-commerce kicking, and e-commerce is kicking in everywhere, right? Not just in how you and I buy our athletic shoes or how we buy our, buy our phones, but it's it's kicking into automotive, it's kicking into you know, the industrial markets, and it's kicking into healthcare as well. So we see different large market players like Amazon and, and a few others also also take a take a role in there. That, so that's one of the the trends that we see that not just the e-commerce, but on the flip end of the flip side, the the patients start behaving like consumers, and the right. next generation expects much more healthcare at the finger fingertips. Right. So the convenience kicks in. Um, then we see, and what we did what Siva, you can find it online. We did a recent. Uh, uh, digital live event on healthcare uh, as well, where we had uh, Umang Patel joining us from uh, from Babylon Healthcare, uh, and again, that is one of these these AI solutions, right, and and end to end solutions for patients that help on the triage. It it can help to get a better diagnosis. Actually, actually, said so. The whole engagement with the doctors will change, and and that's back to also. For instance, the Eric Topol book, uh, the patient will see you now, right? That it's mm-hmm. not the doctor will see you now, but we're changing to a new mantra of where it's much more patient centric. And, and, and even for, if we, if you allow me to make it a, a, big, a bit academic, if we go back to 2006 already, it's, it's where Michael Porter, the Harvard professor, talked about the, the, the concept of value-based healthcare, right? So mm-hmm. how can we all work together in a way to maximize the outcomes for patients? And, and, and that whole concept from, hey, here's a device or here's a medicine and let's, let's, make, let's hope and pray that it works. Those days are over. We're, we're in outcome-based health, healthcare now. And top that up with, with changing products, right? Where, um, let me go back to your chemistry classes, right? Where we have, uh, where we go back to, the, to the, even the 19th century where, where aspirin was invented, a very small molecule with 21 atoms only. Uh, and we're now having molecules of 25,000 atoms and over. So the, the whole, the nature of some of these medicines becomes so complex that also the supply chain and transportation and the whole impact on how to administer and, and deliver the drugs to the patient is changing. The channels are changing. And then again, last but not least, but also all the, the geopolitical and, and, and the, the different things happening on Brexit and all the practical things on how to move goods across the globe. It's, it's, it's really impacting how we organize our healthcare delivery. So um, okay. just setting the scene for, for all the things we're gonna talk about. Absolutely, and that makes sense. It's definitely something that we all see around us, right? The point uh, you raised about how patients have become consumers too now. Telehealth is the way forward and everyone's become comfortable. Also COVID has massively changed how we engage with doctors and just the general consumer behavior towards technology. Can you maybe quantify what has changed or how how we've moved towards this future in comparison with a pre-COVID world? Are there some numbers for us to show 
that this is the trend towards which we're moving? No, unfortunately, I don't have numbers there. But I, I realize indeed your question was more on indeed what 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 COVID has helped expedite, right? So indeed the the, the whole what we see around us, right? What I see when we're talking to the emerging market teams, for instance, as well as the as as my as the, the more developed markets, is that indeed there is in every country um, now an understanding about the fragility of some of these healthcare systems, right? And the, the the need that we need to be able to relieve some of the hospital systems, and that indeed the home healthcare delivery can play a really critical role there. And and now COVID has proven, right, that that's already happening. Uh, so there is uh, a lot of direct to patient, there's a lot of shipments, there's even on the simple things like the PPEs, right? People know and go out to, to find things themselves. So we've seen that people accepted indeed things like that you can be on a video call with your GP, right? Which was also in developing countries was very, very limited and seen as a very, mm, you don't do that, where it, it will become the new normal, and it has become the new normal in, in, in many countries, um, uh, apart from the fact that indeed some of these developing economies that, that, uh, that for instance, Babylon works, works, works a lot with as well, they, they don't have some established healthcare system, so they can jump leapfrog in a way directly yeah. into this new normal of indeed uh, talking to your doctor online. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. How exciting. Well, I want to take a step back and talk about insurers, because obviously it's important to discuss how this impacts the finances uh, of the industry, right? Uh, the folks that hold the purse strings in order to make this happen. Now, how do you think this, this is going to impact the health insurance industry? Now, both in countries where there's public health care versus say the US where it's predominantly privatized? Yeah, so conceptually, right? I believe that, and again, just imagine there's uh, there's a patient that's a, a type one diabetic patient, right? If you just think about all the different products uh, that, that he or she just needs to get supplied every set of weeks, right? How we can do a better job of, uh, of making sure that we coordinate care for that patient, right? So it's not just a patient, but it's a patient with a therapeutic, with with a disease that we should fulfill. And again, back to uh, Michael Porter and value-based healthcare, there's so many players, there's the local pharmacist, there's the GP, there's the the deliverer, the, the company that delivers the um, the insulin, there's the company that, that does on the the, 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 the the glucose monitors, there's there's at least 10 different parties that, that are uh, affecting that patient. And again, for every therapeutic area, it's the same. And it's, I, I believe it's really important that we need to start organizing our systems all and, and uh, get all our ducks in a row, right? To organize all these different stakeholders for that patient to help maximize the outcome for that patient. And again, that's at the heart of order value-based healthcare concept that, that's around a bit longer. How to organize that is, 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 is not easy It's uh, because there's so many stakeholders and, and that should have the same objective, right? Of maximizing the outcome and aligning all of that for the patient. And I believe logistics can, can, can play an integral role in there. Mm -hmm. And that, that's part of my vision as well as, as, as how we see that we're not just shipping a pallet or delivering a parcel, but in a way that we're fulfilling patients. And, um, and I believe that will, that will help. So, um, but, but, logistics has can play an integral role in optimizing cost right making sure that because that's that's what logistics 
does, right? We, we, we work with service levels. We don't own the products. We make sure that there's maximized SLAs in a way, right? Service level agreements that we maximize the outcome, that we drive KPIs of, of being on time and, and making sure that we help fulfill customers and patients. And, and that's, that's, I think, where all of it comes together nicely is, uh, is to, um, uh, to, to organize that. And the health insurers, actually, I think they're the ultimate payer in a way, whether it's a private system or a public system. Right? And, and they're in for also maximizing the outcome for the patient. Uh, and again, they're also concerned, of course, about making sure that the, uh, that the costs are capped, uh, in an, uh, the costs are, um, are, are, are not exceeding the budget in a way without, um, and still making sure that, we, that the, the care for the patients are delivered. So I think insurers will play a critical role in recognizing that, that there's, there's room for growth, right? There's room for further accessibility and affordability of care by making sure that we all organize this a bit differently. And again, I believe that, that, that the logistics firms can play an integral role in doing that because that, that's, that's what we do for, for many, many decades already. Yeah, makes sense. Very interesting. So, I mean, obviously, with this new future that we envision, it, it seems like that there's going to be some big players that emerge, right? Logistics companies being one of them, where they may not have played as integral as a role. I mean, of course, they play an integral role in existing healthcare systems. But, you know, if it starts moving to people's home, it becomes the number of touch points start increasing a lot more. Who else do you think are going to be the big players that emerge in order to make home healthcare reality? Are there other kinds of healthcare providers, tech companies, perhaps any other new players? Yeah, that's interesting. And I'm not sure if I agree with you that the number of touch points uh, increase. I think it can, could even be that it decreases, that there's a much more direct patient shipment. And again, don't get me wrong, right? It, there's always be pharmacists and pharmacies in between that actually do the final dispensing. And that, that, that's not going to change. But I think there's going to be, there, there's for some products, for some supply chains, there's going to be room for a, a direct delivery. And in logistics, we call that omni-channel, right? So there will be still traditional channels for the, for the paracetamols, right? The more bulky uh, products as well. There will be different supply chains than for the very more niche products that are coming to market now as well. And as you might know, one of the new therapies, right? We call them CAR-T or we call them immunotherapies are even markets where the market is is only one, right? Which is a personalized medicine. It's, it's your white blood cells that have been sent on boot camp and are actually being injected back in, in, in your body. So the market has changed from a market where it's a kind of one size fits all mass market, and again, that's still there, to the, the other extreme where the market is even and is one. Right and and many different markets in between. So that's one of the challenges that we uh, that we see. But, but and again, it's a, there's logistic solutions to do that, and there's indeed different marketplaces that per channel can be different there as well. So I, I, uh, typically you will see that there's indeed a, a couple of marketplaces that will play a role in the in in some of the spectrum, and there will be other companies that play a role in much more direct delivery and providing care. Uh, and, and nursing services may be a side of that as well. So I think it will be a, 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 a multi-channel market um, that uh, that will be depending really on, in, in the end of the, the therapeutic area, in a way, the disease that, that, that is the patient. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, what kind of role do you think tech companies have to play in this then? I mean, including big tech, but also 
other emerging tech. Do you, do you see data or collection of data being drastically different to what it is now? So yeah, I, I see that happening. Um, uh, so on, in different areas on the supply chain, right? So in R&D, right? So in, in clinical trials, but also in product development in some of the other healthcare buckets, uh, there's much more... I think data at hand as well, and and I think clinical trials could could benefit from uh, different data inside different data structures as well. On the sales side, right, or on the on the on the on the market side, I'm a believer indeed that that there will be a lot of technology integrated into some of these products. And also in our uh, in our digital life, we uh, we had Kunkas, a visionary a leader in the healthcare technology as well, talk extensively about all the different technologies that you find. And in as part of these technologies, there's a lot of data that comes out. So I think we'll have a much richer, uh, we have the choice in a way to, to choose for a much richer insight into your personalized data, into indeed your own your own genomics, right? That we, we have for the last 20 years already, we're starting to see much more insight into your own genome. Uh, I think that's going to create a very interesting insight in indeed a predictive insight as well in what, what therapies and, and, and that could work and, and what would uh, what would probably not work. So I think indeed we're just just seeing the first steps of the of the, the real tech and and data integration into healthcare. And that on top of the changing supply chains, as I just talked about, is going to be in a very interesting, different future uh, on, on on care provision uh, that I foresee. Right, absolutely. And and while that's interesting in like R and D and personalized medicine itself, do you do you see that if there's, you know, if healthcare starts moving to homes, you see that that would result in additional data creation somehow and therefore additional value creation? And if so, which points do you think that that's likely to happen? There's a couple of big challenges that um, that I think the, the entire industry and the tech industry is working on here as well. I think there's, there's absolutely a, a, a pool from patients or consumers at home that they expect the same service in a way to, to get their 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 products delivered to their homes as they would expect from any other marketplace uh, in there now as well. The difference is with medical, uh, with with uh, with healthcare in this space is that there's an additional technology challenge on making sure that all the patient data are protected in the right way. So the whole HIPAA uh, um, um, uh, aspect of it, it's going to be very different than if you or I just order a, a, a book or one of our sneakers over, over the internet. Patient data changes this a bit, but again, so there'll be a lot of empowerment for the patient to actually do something there or do nothing there. So it's, it's important that we protect the medical information. And, and even from a logistics point of view, I think it's, it's uh, if we ship a, an apnea, an apnea product to to someone that's already deemed as medical information. So mm-hmm. that this whole infrastructure of of tech and 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 it really needs to make sure that we we put the patient centric again and we make sure that we protect all the patient data there according to all the the, the laws that we have globally as well. So I think that's a very important uh, topic that we should weave into these new solutions going on. Yeah, that 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 makes a whole bunch of sense. If we move towards home healthcare predominantly. And I'm guessing a result of that would be that there's lesser capacity in hospitals or, you know, need for lesser capacity in hospitals. Do you think that that would make us prepared 
the next pandemic if there's one so i think indeed to make make healthcare systems more resilient and more flexible i think it's good that we we have at least different options right so um we cannot build hospitals forever and and hospital beds forever we need to find a strike a balance and i think flex creating flexibility is one of the key things that we need to uh, have for for any crisis Right. So and, and we've seen now that indeed if, if there's more opportunities to treat pay people, treat people somewhere else than in a hospital, right? We we could free up the uh, acute uh, capabilities and, and the um, availabilities of hospital beds as well. So um, I, I think if we can scale faster up and down, right? And again, that's a very basic supply chain principle, right? So how do we forecast in a way the availability and how do we forecast the, uh, the capacity that we need? That, that I think that's been one of the big learnings uh, on, on the COVID crisis, right? That we, we, we should be able to, to indeed free up more beds if needed. And if we can do that by by involving home bedding right and home beds i think that 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 should be that that's really helpful to anticipate any other crisis the other thing that we've seen right is that is that we we had a shortage uh because we see how vulnerable some of the global supply chains are right so on the ppes uh, uh you might remember a year ago on, on how we were fighting for for masks and and all kind of other bases so People are rethinking supply chains and talking about reshoring or nearshoring. Or um, yeah, in, 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 in the country where I live, we talked all as well about, hey, shouldn't we make these things ourselves here in, 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 uh, for our national delivery? And then we realize how many suppliers, again, we have that are still based in, in China or in, 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 in other areas that we try to get to. So we realized that that we're very um, depending, that the global supply chains are truly very, very integrated and and the effort it takes and the planning it takes to to in, in a way start uh, uh, to to shore and, and and manufacture that that locally again as well uh, on top of that we've seen the uh, capacity crunch right on on because 80 percent of the of the freight was was on passenger flights as well mm-hmm. and all those flights were cancelled so we've seen the the capacity constraints in air freight and and also in ocean freight that, there's, in a way, all these different things happening at the same time. And we see uh, the vulnerability of global supply chains. And, and again, there, we need to make sure that we're more flexible, that we can, and that's also something we're now launching in CEVA Logistics, where we're launching multimodal platforms, right? So you can easier balance your lead times, right? So sometimes if you, if you're on, on ocean freight, it can take 30 days where, where you can fly it in a day, right? So you have to balance lead times with carbon impact. And again, that's the other crisis that we okay. absolutely need to need to manage, uh, as well with cost. So, what, what, how do you ship things to, and what, what are the available assets in the world? So, that's an important topic which is happening at this moment now. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, it's interesting that you should mention that you know you be able to flex up and down depending on demand. There's obviously a second wave going on in India, and uh, one of the big problems there is that. There's not enough hospital beds. And what's happened as a result of that is that a lot of beds have been created in people's homes. And while that's obviously tragic, it goes to show that something like this is possible. It's the fact that it should need something like this to happen is the sad part. But the fact that there are solutions set up in people's homes, that this is something that can be done and should be done in the future. So that makes sense. I would actually, you touched upon a little bit about how SIVA thinks about a lot of these challenges. I'd love to hear a little how SIVA has been supporting 
pandemic and everything else related to COVID? Yeah, thanks for asking that question, uh, Priyanka. So uh, there's, a, you know, I'm going to answer the, the your question in in a number of ways. So uh, currently we are, SIVA is a global logistics firm. We're a contract logistics for number five worldwide. So we, we do serve a, a whole lot of customers across the healthcare spectrum, as I just explained. So first of all, um, um, by making sure we deliver service to the customers that they can deliver to patients, right? Whether it's medicines or masks, making sure that we can help our customers to fulfill their patients. And again, that's 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 been not an easy ride, right? Because also we had, of course, folks that uh, we needed to deal with this, the, the the workforce, right? That that sometimes was ill as well. So um, that there's a, there's indeed a lot of flexibility that that we provided to our customers to make sure that they make service and they deliver to the patients. They deliver their promise. Second of all, you've seen that um, that indeed uh, Siva being part of CMA CGM globally. Um, we have provided different assets, right? We've provided different uh, different flights. We've the uh, different uh, additional shipping uh, capabilities to prioritize that uh, for the health shipments as well. So it's just making sure that we uh, have charter flights that we just make sure that we fulfill patients and, and our customers for their very very urgent needs. And further of that, indeed, we also invested in new assets, as you might have seen that CMA, CGM has become an airline as well, to make sure that we, uh, that CMA has, and SIVA have direct access to their own assets, to make sure that we have dedicated flights, uh, or flights that, 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 that we can have direct access. And again, given the capacity uh, crunch that we have in the market. So it's 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 a it's a it's been a wide effort of making sure we deliver the medicines in in time and in full and within the compliant uh, temperature ranges, uh, but also making sure that we deliver the warehousing services and make sure we can fulfill the customer orders and, and ship in time in full, and um, and making sure that we do the additional investments needed to actually make sure that we uh, fulfill the patients globally. So it's. Um, and it's been a massive effort from the whole team. And again, it's gonna stay, right? So we're doing additional investments also in cold chain platforms at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. You might've seen the new branding that we have for that, which is indeed cold for patients, which is the new branding for the SIVA healthcare products that we're bringing live. So, and again, because we realize that it's not just about making sure that we ship a pallet from A to B, but that we actually do deliver and fulfill the patient. Yeah, absolutely. And this is just such a stunning collective effort, right? That uh, And just throws light on how important the role of logistics companies is in any kind of situation, pandemic or not. So that's, that's amazing. Final question, Niels. What do you think is likely to change permanently uh, or will have a lasting impact on logistics in general as a result of the pandemic? So I think there's going to be a couple of couple of things. But the most important thing, I think, is that people indeed recognize the, the, um, the need for having an agile supply chain. Right. And that means that you need to be able to switch modalities uh, quickly um, and if you want to do that, you need to make sure you truly understand your own commercial process and the forecasting. So uh, the, the, the flexibility um, in supply chains are, 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 are really now on a new normal, 
right? So people have seen that indeed sourcing can be very, very difficult and it impacts your business directly. So you have to be flexible on the sourcing side. You have to be very flexible also on the, on, on, on the, on the final delivery side. So how do you actually get your products to the market? So things that we've seen in supply chain for a long time, uh, like the multimodality that we talked about, but also the omni-channel, these are things that will not go away. So um, these are things that are there to stay. On top of that, we'll see patients starting to be, really act more and more as consumers and expecting different things. And I think the one that can deliver that patient expectation will be, uh, will be also the, be the winner uh, in there. And, and the, the patients do expect uh, uh, the same service in a way that they get uh, when they get their books delivered. So I think there's there's uh, what will stay, what will remain is indeed the, the increasing need for multimodality and the focus on reducing carbon. It will be the uh, the focus on the omni-channel and the different customer behaviors. And then on top of that, we'll see all these technology changes kicking into healthcare, in making healthcare much more interconnected mm. and connected to technology as well. And also that will not stop. So I think we're, we're uh, having a very exciting future for, for healthcare and for health supply chains ahead of us. Lovely. That sounds fantastic. It is definitely, it definitely sounds like a better world where logistics and technology can make access to healthcare a lot less costly and just a lot more available. Thank you so much for taking out the time to chat with me, Niels. It's been my pleasure. That is it for today from us at the Vaccine Challenge. We continue to work towards our mission of bringing to light all of the supply chain and distribution challenges that can help speed up the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccines world over. If you're doing anything worthwhile in this space, have any suggestions of who you should talk to or any other ways that we can improve the podcast, please write to us at Contact us at thevaccinechallenge.com. Until then, stay safe, stay responsible. This is us signing off from The Vaccine Challenge.